Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School lesson for July 17th, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. And today we're looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We've talked about this text before in relation to the one of the final stories in the Gospel of John. This is the miraculous catch of fish at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And to set the stage for this miracle, we want to jump back a little bit to the last three verses of Luke chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And there we read, And when it was day, he, Jesus, departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So to back up a little bit further, Luke 4 is a pretty eventful chapter in the gospel. It begins with the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness by the devil. And after that, he begins to go around Galilee, preaching in the synagogues. He arrives at Nazareth, where he declares himself to be the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecies about the Messiah. And there he's rejected by his hometown. After he's rejected by his hometown, he moves on to Capernaum. And there he teaches and astonishes the people. He casts out an unclean spirit from a man right there in the synagogue. Then he spends the rest of that evening healing many. After he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And that's when we get to that little bit of Luke chapter 4, that Jesus uh, goes to a desolate place. The people want him to come back and do more miracles. And instead, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So, Jesus will work many miracles along the way. But first and foremost, the word made flesh is in the flesh to speak his word. And the miracles that accompany his teaching will verify that what he says is true and that he is fulfilling prophecy along the way. At any rate, as Jesus goes about his necessary task of preaching the good news, one day we find him on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, or in Luke, known as the Lake of Gennesaret, And that's where our story picks up in Luke chapter 5. So, the first couple of verses here. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So, the imagery is that a large crowd is gathered around Jesus on the shoreline of the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, and they keep pressing in upon him to get closer and closer, and, and, and it's, it's as if he's about to get pushed into the water. And as he is teaching, he spies these two boats by the lake with the fishermen out of the boats, washing their nets. 
The fact that they're washing their nets means that they have been fishing. And we're going to find out soon that they've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing at all. However, Luke is going to make use here of some fishing imagery to describe Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus is about to get into a boat and teach from it. And that's kind of an image that goes throughout Scripture. I mean, think back to, back to Noah's Ark, where the world is destroyed by a flood, but inside the Ark, Noah and his family, eight souls and all, are safe, and the Lord keeps them safe in the boat. When Moses is put in the Nile River in that basket made of reeds, the word for basket there in Exodus is actually the word ark. It's a little boat in which Moses is kept safe from the threat of death by Pharaoh. Here in Luke, we have a boat. Once Jesus gets into it, the Son of God is in the boat speaking his word, and the Son of God is there to save. So here and there throughout the scriptures, we have this image of of a boat being a safe place. And that's magnified all the more because in scripture, the seas, the oceans are frightening places. The Israelites are not a seagoing people. They live on the land. We hear a lot about the good things with rivers. The sea is where sea monsters live. The sea is where people drown. The seas are full of depth and darkness and and, and kind of fearful mystery. And in fact, here when Jesus tells the disciples to go out into the deep to fish, that's kind of a disturbing thing as well. So, seas are dangerous places. Boats are a a good way to survive the seas. And here we have Jesus in a boat present to speak his word of salvation. And all of this, by the way, leads to a term that you may or may not know as far as church architecture goes. When you're sitting in church in one of the pews, that part of the church is called the nave. It's from the Latin word navus. It's the same word from which we get navy. It means boat. So when you're in church, you're in the boat. You're in the ark where Jesus is present with his word, with his sacraments to save you from this dying world. All right, so a little bit of, of, of a nautical feel here. Um, the disciples are, are outside of the boats. They're washing their nets, um, which is a bit strange because they, uh, they haven't caught anything to make the nets scaly or slimy or anything else or, or torn for that matter. Um, but the mention of nets here is important because it's going to make a distinction. Anything outside the net is loose. Anything inside the net is caught. Now, normally we would think of being netted and caught as a bad thing, as an entrapment or imprisonment, and being not netted, being loose, is is a good thing because that means to be free. We're going to find out, though, in this story that Jesus flips that on its head and says, it's good to be caught if you're caught by the Lord. And in this case, these fish that are caught are going to be caught by a divine miracle. But let's continue with the text, going on with verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, 
he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. So with these verses, Jesus picks out Simon's boat and has Simon take him offshore. And this kind of sets a theme that Simon is kind of the first among equals of the disciples. He, uh, he has a predominant place. We certainly don't um, recognize him as, as the first pope of the church or infallible or anything like that. But nonetheless, there, there are some, some um, disciples, some apostles to whom the Lord entrusts more than others. You hear a lot more about Peter, James, and John than you do about, say, Matthias or Bartholomew. Um, and, and so, right here in Luke chapter 5, as Jesus is about to call Simon Peter, um, he's setting the, the, the theme that Peter is, is kind, of, um, kind of first among equals, if you will. He has Simon roam a little ways from shore, and then Jesus sits down and he teaches the people from the boat so that he, uh, he won't get pushed into the water. When he finishes speaking, when he finishes teaching his word of salvation to the people, he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And again, the deep is where the scary things are, sea monsters and the like. The, uh, the fishermen normally fish the shallows where the, the, uh, the fish are up by the surface and maybe even skittering just underneath the surface so you can see where they are. Um, so so the, the skilled fishermen have caught nothing all night. And now this, this rabbi, this, this teacher of the scriptures tells him to put out into the deep and, and, and fish in the day. And, uh, and Peter objects. This isn't going to work. But he says that your word I will let down the nets. And we read in verse 6, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now, keep this in mind for, for the kind of the payoff pitch we're about to find in this text. But contrary to Peter's expectations and experience, Jesus shows Peter where the fish are in abundance, where the fish are caught as well, and it's where nobody expects. And since Jesus is about to tell Peter and other disciples that they are going to be fishers of men and apostles who gather people into his kingdom, this is a very important lesson to remember that they will find believers and followers of Jesus in places where no one expects. And we see this in, in Acts, of course, because one of the big questions in Acts is, did Jesus die for the Gentiles as well as the Jews? And there are some who expect that Jesus only died for his fellow Jews and not for the Gentiles. And so this whole unexpected catch, this, this net full of Gentiles is brought into the church. Getting ahead of myself, though, right now we have these nets miraculously full of fish. We have the nets breaking because they're so full and the boat's about to sink because there are so many fish. 
And then we arrive at verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, the miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So this is not Peter's first encounter with Jesus. After all, Jesus has just healed his mother-in-law in Capernaum in Luke chapter 4. So Peter is, has heard Jesus speak. He's been kind of attracted to, uh, to a miracle of, of his mother-in-law's healing. He's patiently sat and listened to Jesus teach here in the boat But now with this miracle, all of a sudden, Peter says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And the text doesn't explain why that reaction, but perhaps it's this. This is one of those miracles of creation rather than than healing um, one individual sick person, which prophets have done before in the Old Testament, Here, Jesus performs a miracle that controls nature. He rules over the seas. He summons fish into a net and a lot of fish into the net. So it's clearly a miracle and not just a coincidence. And perhaps right then and there, Peter puts together in his head that this is not just a uh, a man of God representing God, but this is in fact God himself in the flesh. And so Peter, as a sinner, knows that God is holy and he is not. And his reaction, in some ways, is beautifully honest. Think of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when when he has his vision of God in heaven. Um, He sees God enthroned and, and the seraphim flying around, and his response is not, well, this is cool. I'm hanging out with God now. His, his reaction is, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah knows that as a sinner, it's a death sentence to be in the presence of holy God, the, the glorious presence of holy God. And here in, in Luke chapter 5, Peter has a similar reaction. I am a sinful man. This is, in fact, the Lord of creation in my boat. And I need to get away from him or he needs to get away from me because he is holy and I am not. It is the natural reaction of sinners, unforgiven sinners, to flee away from God in his presence. I mean, that's, that's what Adam and Eve did right away with the first sin in the garden. So, always be wary of the one who says, I'm not a Christian, but I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing God. Because on the last day, those who are not forgiven will want to get away from God. We have some visions of, of hell in the New Testament where God sentences people to condemnation We have others where they want to get away, where they want the mountains to fall on them so that uh, they're no longer in the Lord's presence. 
So, in fact, when Jesus says to to the goats in the parable, the sheep and the goats depart from me, perhaps it's not so much a command as it is permission. But here is the astonishing thing. Peter is quite right that as a sinner, he should be nowhere near holy God, that he deserves condemnation for his sin. But Jesus hasn't become flesh to condemn him for his sin. Instead, he's there to absolve Peter. And that's what we hear at the end of verse 10 and into verse 11. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Do not be afraid, says Jesus to Simon, and that is a word of absolution. What is the one case where a sinful man should not be afraid of being in God's presence? That would be if his sin was taken away. So when Jesus says, do not be afraid, he's not saying, I'm okay with your sin. He's saying, I forgive you. And now that he has forgiven Peter, he makes Peter his follower, his disciple, and his instrument and says, from now on, you will be catching men. So Jesus has caught Peter, and now Peter the fisherman will be catching people instead of fish. So we have kind of this this fishing motif again for evangelism that that, uh, Peter and the others will be fishers of men or fishers of people. But the word there for catching is, is a remarkable one. It's two Greek words stuck together, and it means to catch and keep alive or to catch for life. So rather than catch and kill for dinner or catch and release back into the wild, Peter and the apostles will be catching people to keep them alive. So before, we noted that usually if there's a net in the water, it's better to be loose than it is to be caught. Here, Jesus turns, turns it on his head and says, apart from me, y'all are like fish lost in the terrifying depths of the sea. But with me, netted, you're caught into my kingdom and I catch you so that you might have life. And so we have this this beautiful postscript at the end of this text that that having been forgiven by Jesus, having been caught by Jesus, now Peter and James and John, they bring their boats ashore and they follow Jesus that they might be fishers of men, that they might speak his words, that others can be caught or netted into the kingdom. So this, this, this fishing miracle both shows Jesus to be the Lord of creation and gives uh, an an example, a metaphor of Jesus as, as the redeemer of the world too. He catches people. He makes them his people. They declare his praises. They tell others. And so more are caught or netted into the kingdom as well. And again... This will happen in the most unexpected places. 
just like the fish in the deep were a surprise, unexpected, a miracle. So the Lord will gather his people in from all nations of the earth. And he brings them in to catch them for life. And it seems counterintuitive that fish would be more alive in the boat than loose in the sea. But Jesus has caught them for life. And to the world out there, it will seem counterintuitive to a lot that that you are really living as a Christian, avoiding all sorts of the fun sins than the world that appears to have all the fun in life. But in the church, as one forgiven for sins, you have life. You have eternal life in Christ. So what joy we have here, the Lord of life, the Lord of creation has caught you and made you his own, that you might have life in him forevermore. Kind of a short podcast this week, but that concludes our quick study of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. God's blessings on your further meditation of this text, and God grant you every good gift if you are teaching this to others. And always rejoice because Christ has caught you to keep you alive forever. Until next time, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.